On this week's show, we're going to discuss the fundamentals of sales management. Welcome to Cracking the Code, the show that helps you overcome the challenges you face every day in contracting and keeps you on the cutting edge of emerging trends and best practices. Now, before we get started, I just want to let you non-EGI members know about a great opportunity to start growing your business. Doesn't matter if you're looking to have our, you know, your first million dollars or if you're a larger company going at, you know, 10 plus million. If you have the proven roadmaps to succeed, you're going to get there a heck of a lot faster with our help. I can't imagine what I could have done at my first company if I had access to the tools and resources that the Contractor University provides. I mean, you can sit there and beat your head against the wall, or you can learn from the top minds in the industry and save all those headaches. If you're interested in jumpstarting your business and growing it the right way, click the Join button at the top of this page, and you can get 30 days of training free for you and your team at no charge whatsoever. Now, last week, we scratched the surface regarding the fundamentals of sales management with EGIA's very own Gary Ellix. This week, we're going to take a deeper dive into this important subject, and Gary will talk about the following issues. Number one, the importance of the leadership mindset. We're also going to talk about what's your brand promise and how does that brand promise come through with the sales team. Next, we're going to talk about what's your current sales team uh, or salesperson good at and what are they not so good at. And finally, you are the coach, so think like a coach and do role play, right? We're going to talk about the importance of role play. All right, welcome to the White Lab. What we've got is leadership. Number one on the list, I've got to have a mindset. What am I trying to accomplish? So the first question that I would ask here is, what is my brand promise? What am I trying to deliver to the client? From a leadership point of view as a sales manager, or let's just break that down. Let's just say it's, it's just Gary. And Gary is just, he's got 37 hats, and you know today I'm running sales calls. So if I'm running a sales call, the question becomes, what am, I, what am I trying to deliver to the client? What's the installation specification? I mean, how do we do it? How do we prove to a client that we're better than somebody else in the marketplace? Because there's some pretty fine companies out there. I would think most of the companies in the EGIA world are pretty fine businesses. You wouldn't be participating in the EGIA platform if you weren't already committed to the idea of improving, getting better, and lifetime learning, continuous enhancement, those types of things. So the question becomes, what is it that I can create that's a brand promise that I can sell to a client? And that comes down to a leadership mindset. Now, Wally's got a whole section on the site about mindset. This is um, similar, but in a little uh, different context. The mindset here is that I want you, as an owner, thinking about how to transfer what it is that you want your company to deliver to somebody that isn't you. That makes you have to think differently. It makes you think about the idea as a sales management function. How do I want to sell? What am I telling the technicians? What am I telling the maintenance technicians that might do some selling? What am I telling my comfort advisors, comfort consultants, that I want that deliverable to be? How do I want the customer experience to go? So we can also write the word CX, client experience. CX is an acronym, stands for client experience. What is it that we're trying to deliver to our client? How do we want them to feel? So as a sales manager, this is in fact your job. If I'm the company owner, obviously I can write that script however I want. If I am in fact a sales manager and I work for somebody, uh, let's say that Wally owns the company and I'm working for Wally. 
My job as a sales manager is to say, Wally, what's our brand promise? What are, what's our client experience deliverable? Wally might look at me and say, hey, man, that's why I hired you. You figure it out. Okay, that's fine. Or he might have some feedback for me, and he might say, hey, what we want to deliver is an exceptional white glove, five-star customer experience. You know, we want our guys to be rolling out the red carpets, and we want to put down the mat that says, you know, uh, excellence, you know, is, is the deliverable. Whatever it is, it doesn't matter. What we need is we need definition. We need to be able to train and create a process around that. So on the site, there is, in fact, a, a sales process document. And it's defined by, um, I think there's 18, maybe 19 steps at this point in the sales process. And so we're going to break down each one of these as we go through the videos. So as a sales manager, you can look at that process and say, hey, I, I like that idea, or no, I don't like that idea. A good example is financing. Uh, we've got to be able to talk about financing. So we introduce financing at the beginning before we're ever out there. We introduce it inside of the sales process, inside of the communication protocol. We introduce it in our presentation manual, our discussions. We ask for the order, and at some point, the financing is presented as a payment option. And that investment payment option is featured compared to the investment price. So if my price is $10,000, that's going to be minimized. The price of $99 a month for you know, however many years it takes, that's going to be featured. Financing is one of those process points that you say that's part of my sales process. So your job as a leader, and you are a leader, as a sales management function, your responsibility, one of the fundamentals is to create a mindset by which process is defined and that we can then train and organize around it. The, the organization that does not have a sales process is an organization that will be inconsistent. Does not mean you won't be successful from time to time. There's plenty of examples, as I noted. But I think what you're going to get is you're going to get an inconsistent product or result. And so your profitability, your sales process, and all of those things that link together are going to suffer because you're not as consistent as you could be. So with that in mind, if we have these 18 steps inside of the sales process, let's just say that we're running with the 18. And uh, let's say that everybody out in EGIA audience land is OK and bought into that. What we need to do then is we need to ask ourselves the question, where are we in relationship to the sales process? So the question becomes, what am I doing right now? Maybe I'm really good at my overcoming the objections section. And maybe I'm pretty good at presenting the product and the application section. But maybe I'm not that good at you know, the preliminary section, the ability of lead coordination, the ability to schedule, the ability to manage those processes. So these 18 steps are broken down individually so that we can focus on any one area from a training point of view. So the third part of this is you're, you're a coach. As a sales manager, part of my responsibility now is I have to think not like a, a doer, but I have to think strategically. So there's tactics, which is me doing the work, and then there's strategy, which is me thinking about how to do the work. Helping other people finish their work better is what a coach does. Bill Belichick from the Patriots, he doesn't play defensive back or linebacker anymore. Okay, He's the coach. He's got other coaches that he works with. So he's got position coaches, he's got special teams coaches, he's got strength coaches, he's got scouts, he's got advanced scouts, he's got all kinds of coaches that work with him. His job is to help other people finish the work. He's done pretty well. Nick Saban, same thing in Alabama. 
it even hurts me to say that. I just, I just respect Nick Saban so much because he's such a process-driven coach. He's looked at coaching and said, I have to get everybody in position to be successful. My job is to create a process and not focus on the result, but focus on the process itself. If we do the process well, the results will take care of themselves. It's a great philosophy. It's one that we hope you understand inside of the mindset here, which is if we understand what the end in mind is, the deliverable, and we create the steps of the process, and then we train, and we focus on the idea of that step has to be done well. That's the process. I have to do that well. If somebody says, I'm getting three bids, I have to understand already in advance that I had to plan and anticipate that so that my response and my discussion around that idea is predetermined. I've practiced it. I've role played it. I've done some training on it. So I'm not caught off guard. I'm not caught by surprise. My energy, my passion, my awareness, my ability to answer the question about why it's not necessarily in your best interest to use three bids. Or if you do, you know, you still really should come with us. Whether they get three bids or 30 bids, it doesn't matter. If we're doing our job well, we've presented ourselves well, then we're going to get our share of those particular closing percentages and where our average ticket is going to be where we want it to be. So coaching is about understanding what skill sets that you need to have delivered and who is better to do that than you because you've already done it as an owner? That's the purpose of mindset is to create the processes. You have to think just like Michael Gerber said to, which is while you're doing it, you need to keep that journal and make those notes. Jot down what your process is. Obviously, you can go to the EGI platform and you can download that document. It's about 70 pages as far as the process goes. Uh, and you can organize your process around some of those ideas, but I need you to have a process and I need you to understand that as you train somebody and you grow your organization, that you're training on individual skills that attach themselves to the processes. So a good example of this is social styles. If we don't understand social styles, what we're using is our natural talent. We're using our DNA. We're using our ability to recognize intuitively how to get along with people. And that is going to generate some success for you. But if you're not aware of the social styles, you're going to run into some people that are going to be challenging to you, and you don't know how to deal with them. When that occurs, your DNA, your talent, you're, you're not prepared. You haven't spent the time training and role playing around it. Therefore, you will be caught off guard, and that will translate in the sales process. So the very best coaches, the very best people that are in sales in this case, they understand that that is a skill set. Knowing the social styles, knowing the personality profiles, understanding what to say, how to say it, when to say it, the timing of it, is something that is a skill, and it's something that you practice and that you can train on. So that's an example of breaking down a skill set organizing training around that. Are you going to tomorrow morning be great at that skill set if you're not great today? Probably not. But it's one of those things that you identify and you work on over time. And as time passes, you begin to build more muscle fiber or more skill that is relative to that particular idea. So the fourth area that I think that sales managers need to really understand is how to train. So. There's this issue of role play. Now, a lot of people don't like role play, and that's OK. I'm totally good with that, but that doesn't mean you're not going to do it. You're still going to do it. So 
Um, I don't like taking cough syrup, you know, when I have a cough and I'm sick. Uh, you know, it doesn't really taste very good to me, but I know it's necessary, so I bite the bullet, I do it. It makes me feel better, you know, the first taste is terrible, but 30 minutes later, I'm happy that I actually did it and digested it, and I feel better, and I'm not coughing anymore. So role play is like that. Role play is your cough syrup for developing skills and training. And so if I'm not good at social style identification, or I'm not good at managing a relationship with the driver, and that driver, you know, is, uh, they're putting their alpha on, and it's, it gives me pause, it, it gives me a challenge, uh, it throws me off my game, it puts me in a position where maybe I'm not uh, as um, aware and responsive as I could be because the personality is hitting me, and so I'm not really, I don't really like it, and because I don't like it, I'm not responding well to it. Again, life is 10% what happens to you, 90% how do you respond to it. This is, it, it's impinging on me, I'm not reacting well to it. That begins to translate itself inside of my sales process. So what we're talking about is, how do we get better at that as a skill? Well, we role play. We get in sales meetings, and your meeting rhythm for a sales meeting should be at least once a week. I think it's arguable that you could have a sales meeting on a daily basis if you were a larger company. If you're a mid-range or a smaller company, I think once a week is fine so that you can identify and train on what's going on. But that's an example of where you would use role play. Now, one of the things I want you to do in your role play is I want you to use videotape. This video that you're seeing that goes out on the EGI site is being taped. So we can actually use it, stop it, break it down, talk about it, click the button again, move it forward, stop it, talk about it. That's the reason you do videotape with your role plays. So the whole group can learn and improve based on the idea that, hey, why did you say what you said right there when the driver was pressing on you and telling you, I don't have time for this, why don't you just give me the price? And so they're putting their alpha on you, that driver, you know, overwhelming personality. What are you going to do with that? Uh, so, you know, how are you going to handle that situation? So maybe you don't handle it well in the first role play. Well, you break that down, you stop it, you talk about it, and you go, well, what could you have done differently? So what we're doing, and I think it's important that we understand, is that we're training for behavior change. Behavior change doesn't just happen. Behavior change typically takes at least 21 days, sometimes it's more than that. Uh, the widely recognized research is 21 days for a habit and little, right around 30 days for behavior pattern change. So, the idea that you would role play is not going to change me tomorrow, but it is going to make me aware. And so because I'm aware and I understand the differences between what I'm doing today and what I need to do, I can start thinking differently and I can start working on my behavior pattern. So that's where your ride-alongs come in. So the ride-along is where you as the sales management function as a coach have to recognize that that is a process of a sales manager. You must get in the vehicle with your company advisors or your selling technicians, and you must spend some time with them. So in one of my companies, we have a every two-week, one-on-one, one hour is given to that individual, where that one hour is to talk nothing more than about the development of that individual. What's going on in your world? Where are you on your self-development? You were required to be reading this book based on our suggestion from your skill development plan. How are you doing? 
What chapter are you on? What have you learned? What kind of things can I do to help you? What are you struggling with? What are your challenges? These one-on-ones are our version of management development ride-alongs. So I'm, I'm the CEO of the company. So the CEO is still giving one-on-one -on -one time to the executive management team. By design, that one-on-one -on -one is a form of a ride-along. So because it's an executive, the executive isn't in a truck selling or they're not going into a home selling, all right? But they are executives and they do have people that they run into, uh, in other words, management problems. They have personnel issues, they have organizational issues, resource challenges. The bigger the company gets, the less connected you are to the frontline individuals. So I may, as, not as a CEO, not ride along with the technician, but my sales manager would. So I have a sales manager in that company, and that sales manager sits on sales calls with the salespeople. That service manager does ride-alongs with the selling techs. That sales manager manages the comfort advisors. They do ride-alongs with the comfort advisor. These one-on-ones are what we call ride-alongs. Me getting in the truck with a technician is going to be fantastic for the technician. I can't do that and run a very scaled business. So, but as a small company, I can. And so the smaller I am, the more interface I have. But eventually, as the business grows, you're going to need to structure the idea that training follows the game plan of role play based on skill, and that the role play based on skill then is translated in, let's try it, let's go do the ride along, let's see what's going on. When you're in the field and you're doing the ride alongs as a coach, what I would suggest is you do the first presentation. You show the model of success. I'm going to write that down. It's called the model of success. Now, in the leadership training that we do in particular, I've developed an exercise where I have people draw an artistic version of something that they've never heard of, seen, or ever dealt with before. And invariably, they crash and fail. The reason is they've never done it before. They have no idea what I'm talking about. There is no model. So by design, I've set them up for failure. And then we talk about that. We literally do that as a role play. Why did you fail? Well, because basically your leadership sucked, Gary. You didn't tell us what you wanted. You just told us what to do. OK, so what we then do is we say, OK, great. You're right, the leadership did suck. The management process wasn't in place. I did not define for you the model of success. Let's talk about what that looks like. Let's talk about how we present. Let's talk about our credibility manual. Let's talk about our guarantees. Let's talk about financing. Let's talk about our price pages, our presentation model. Let's talk about EPA guidelines. Let's talk about our installation guidelines. Let's talk about what makes us different than the other guy. Let's talk about our questions and answers about who we are as a business, why we think that we're a better company. Let's talk about all those things and let's break that down. So the model of success would be then we actually create that. So within the framework of that next exercise on the art, I design for them that model of success and I show that to them. I present the model. I do it first. My job is to show you what it is we're trying to deliver. Brand promise, customer experience. By showing you, that's a visual form of learning, so you're, you're coaching, and so it's not unlike somebody designing a play 
I can say, well, you know, run this play. Well, if the players don't know what the play looks like, they're not going to be able to deal with it. So obviously, Bill Belichick, he creates an X's and O's play, and then it's diagrammed. They get in a classroom. They look at it. They may even show another team running the play. They videotape their practice when they run the play, and they talk about how well or poorly they're executing that. So what they're doing is they're doing the same process I'm describing. They're creating a model of success. There is a playbook. No college, high school, or pro football team goes on the practice field without a playbook, without a script. Why would you, as a business owner, go onto the playing field and not have a model of success and then demonstrate the model of success first? So I give that to that, uh, the participants. They then execute the art design, again, something they've never done before in their life, and they turn it into a success because there's a standard of excellence that we want. I'm just going to make believe for a second. 60% closure rate, average ticket of 8000 or greater, gross profit dollars per man day of $2,500 or higher, and we'll say that you know client satisfaction, net promoter score, 95 or above, meaning you know customers rating us as a 95 out of 100. Uh, that's the average. You know, so if somebody rates us 99, somebody could be a 91, we're still at 95. We have our metrics done, which brings us you know, down to the data points. Having an average ticket, a closure rate, GP per day, the orderliness of having the measurements and the milestones as part of the sales management function is crucial because this is what's telling us that our people are making progress towards the model of success, whatever that is. That's the sales process, 18 steps, where we have training, role plays, ride along, behavioral changes, and we're saying, maybe Gary sucks today, but over time, if he has talent, I can develop that set of skills, and I can build something, and I can get him in a position where he can be successful. He can do it the way the company wants it to be done. Now, as usual, that's some awesome stuff there from Mr. Gary Ellis, right? Uh, if you're interested in learning more about this topic, I want to encourage you to sign up for our free 30-day trial. You just click Join at the top of this page. This is just a small piece of the process, but you need the whole thing to make it all work together. We got more from Gary talking about comfort advisor social styles, prepping for the call, customer assessment questions, and load calculations, and Manual J, and a ton more. So sign up for the free trial. Try it out for yourself. It's absolutely free. Well, folks, that's our show for this week. Tune in next week. We're going to continue this conversation regarding sales management. We'll see you next week. Until then, bye-bye for now.